Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Ashley Fine Floors text line, I asked you, simple. Patrick Marlowe, Hall of Famer or not, Gord Oil has texted the show to say, admired Patrick Marlowe as an, op- an opponent his whole career. He's right there with Ryan Smith, an outstanding player, but under the cut for the Hockey Hall of Fame. Uh, and this texter, Keith in Red Deer, says, Marlowe had a great career, but he never won anything, and his stats don't warrant the Hall of Fame, in my opinion. Uh, Bob, all-time, yeah, uh, this texter comes in, fear the fin. What a surprise. The San Jose Sharks fan says, Bob, of course he's a Hall of Famer, all-time leader in games played, two Olympic gold medals, and 195 playoff games for Patrick Marlowe. Again, Kurt says, if Marlowe isn't a Hall of Famer, who is? How many guys in the Hall of Fame have better numbers than him? Quality guy, great player. That one comes to us from Kurt. So there's two and two on either side. We engage Mark Spector, Sportsnet Spec for the Horses and Horse Racing Alberta, live thoroughbred racing, 615 Friday, 345 Saturday, out at Century Mile. We'll get to the here and now on the Oiler Talk in a second, Mark. Uh, Patrick Marlowe. Hall of Famer, yay or nay? Uh, I'm probably, if you're making me pick yes or no, I would say yes. Uh, I get what people are saying. He played a long time, but you know what? Like he scored, I'm looking at his stats, 566 goals. You know, there's a lot of guys in there that never won heart trophies that never scored 500. He played almost 1,800 games. You know, he's three points shy at 1,200 points. If you want to play that game of comparing his stats to a bunch of guys Dick that are Duff. in there already. <laughs> Dick Duff. Yeah. Uh, he, Dick Duff was he, amongst the most classy men. Like, yeah, 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 how do we know? You like, know. Yeah, and like, and uh, although I would say to you, Bob, we never talked about him being a top three player in the league during his career. He also was on those Olympic teams, and that holds some weight, man. A couple yeah. of gold medals. All right, I'm going to spin it on a different sport. Okay, it's interesting, right? Because a, a guy that maybe didn't have the, the the guy that has we both have appreciation for baseball. Now, I don't like baseball the way I did back in the '80s, and that's going to perhaps be part of the reason why we're talking about this player. There is a guy not in the Hall of Fame that there is great debate about as to whether or not he's a Hall of Fame player or not, and that is Dale Murphy mm-hmm. of the Atlanta Braves. And for you listeners that are maybe under the age of forty. Dale Murphy won the uh, most valuable player in back-to-back seasons for the Atlanta Braves. He led the major leagues in home runs a couple times. He led them in RBIs. He led it uh, twice. He led the league in uh, runs scored. Uh, so he won two MVPs. He finished 7th, 9th, 11th, and 12th. In four, in, 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 so he had a run for about 10 years where he was a tremendous player. The best player in the game. So that's right. To me, there's something there. If you were the best player in the game right. for a period in your career, then he's almost the antithesis of, of Marlowe. Like he didn't accumulate the same great numbers. Like he, you know, he finished uh, with, a long time. Though, he man. almost hit 400 home runs. He had 398 home runs. Yeah, sure. Okay, That's... but he's those aren't Marlowe. Like Marlowe scored 500 goals, but Marlowe played forever. I think Dale Murphy is a stone cold mortal walk Hall of Famer. In Me baseball. too. Okay. Absolutely. I'm like, how is he not? And and he did come to Edmonton. I remember when he was in the when he was an MVP. And I came to Edmonton. What was he doing here? Believe it or not, uh, <laughs> he was at a uh, Eileen Bell will chuckle over this. He was at a uh, Latter Day Saints sports convention and really? came up and spoke. 
and he was like he was like Wayne Gretzky. He was that classy. Like he stayed four hours and talked to people, mm-hmm. and he was just, you know, I was like a 16 year old kid, and I knew. I mean, the other thing that our listeners can maybe relate to, you know, how Wayne Gretzky's must see TV. Dale Murphy, when he was leading the league in home runs, and this is not a time when it was 60 home runs. Yeah. This is pre-Juice, 36, 37 yeah. home runs was a big deal. Remember the year Foster hit 49? That was a stunner. But, you know, like, the, right? Because he was, this guy was about as real, and what you saw is what you got. He wasn't on the hamburger helper. He yeah, wasn't no. sitting there going down and going to clinics or anything like that. No. But no. TBS it was the start. He was like he was ca- Mr. Atlanta Brave, and he was, yeah. and they were a cable superstation. So in the states, all through the South, they're like, he was the guy. You know, like I don't know how he's not in the Hall of Fame. I don't know what the baseball writers do. I'm going to phone uh, someone I know down there and say, "Come on, you guys, let's go." Yeah. So it's <laughs> interesting with Marlowe because uh, I don't think Ryan Smith's a Hall of Fame player. I think Ryan no. Smith is should, should have special place in the heart of everybody. He was a great, great, great Edmonton Oiler, and even you know that Team Canada guy that people yeah. across the nation came to love. He played the game the way Canadians like it played, but I don't think that his numbers get him in the Hall of Fame. Now. Right, and so you think Marlowe's in, and I, I, I think Marlowe's going to be challenged to be in. It'll be interesting to see. So keep coming, keep it, it coming. A few years. Do you have a favorite U two song since it's Bono's birthday? Oh, not really. Didn't they I, do that great video on top of that? Um, uh, yeah, we let we opened with that. Streets yeah, have yeah. no name. Yeah. Yeah, 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 that video was awesome. That wasn't. Awesome. I remember when it first came out. I was like, oh my god, they really did this. Yeah, they had they all po- the news anchors talking yeah, yeah, about yeah, it. That's really cool. Uh, that's what we opened up with. I'm sure it's been done since a hundred times, but they were the first guys to do it. Did you ever hear the uh, version of Miss Sarajevo with uh, Pavarotti? That was pretty spectacular. Really? Oh yeah, it was a well done song right. as well. When do we start talking hockey? It's on also the show? Uh, Dave Mason's birthday today. Dave Mason? We just disagree. Huge hit in the mid-70s. Okay. We'll get to it. You definitely heard it on like your alternative rock. Didn't you play goal for the uh, National Predators? No, that's, that's Chris Mason. That's Chris yeah. Mason, yes. All right. Uh, and you <laughs> know what? Chris Mason, Chris Mason might have uh, They were almost on the verge of needing Chris Mason against Colorado. <laughs> hey, it looks like Daryl Sutter was right, by the way, didn't he? What, did he, what was his line about whoever plays yeah, Colorado? It's a waste of eight days, it's, man. It's a waste of eight. <laughs> it was. All right. So let's get to it. Edmonton and the LA Kings. Um this series. Mark, here we go. You ready? Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's nine days ago, and I tell you, Mike Smith's going to have a 942 save percentage in the in four games. Yep. The Oilers' power play is going to be almost at 40%. The penalty killing is going to be at 93%, and they're going to have the second highest scoring team through the first four games. Yeah. What are you going to tell me the series is going to be at? least 3-1. At least 3-1, right? Yeah. Well, it, it's kind of crazy that it's – or is it? Or well, is it that much okay. of a surprise? So, you know what? These are the cards you get dealt, right? These are the cards – I mean, I can tell you why it's all there. They scored eight. They scored six. You know, all those things. But listen, this is, this is what makes a playoff journey. Right? So, okay, so maybe you should have played a little better. You didn't have to play much better to win game one. Didn't happen. You lost it. Right? Came out in game four, a moment where, you know, maybe a more mature team, Bob, really seizes a series and says, we got these guys where we want them. If we win this game, she's over. We're going to come out and give you our A game. Oh, this came out and kind of gave you their B game. So that's okay. That's you okay. You gave them a B in that game? Whatever. That's fine. Right? So here we are. It's 2 2. It's a best of three series. You got two at home. You know, your team's playing well. You're getting goaltending. Uh, let's you know, just go out and win a series and do what a good team would do in this situation. That's bring it tonight and and take a stranglehold in the series 3-2. So, Mark, as you know, I have time for advanced analytics, but I am not 
all it's it's all analytics. I'm I'm sort of fifty fifty. Like okay. I appreciate them. Sure. I'm, I'm going to read you something pretty interesting. The expected goals in the Oilers because the LA Kings are pumping shots on goal. They're averaging thirty nine point three shots per game. Yeah. Um, and Duncan Keith didn't want to really elaborate on it, but trust me, it's like there is a psychological approach to doing what LA does, giving people the impression that you're being dominated because you're getting tons of shots against. Okay. This is going to sound crazy. The Oilers lost that game 4-0 in L.A. Expected goals for, according to Natural Statric, 5-on-5. Edmonton 3.2. L.A. 2.97. I'm sorry. I was in the building. It did not feel like Edmonton was marginally better at expected goals for than L.A. 5-on-5 in that game. I was there. I thought the Kings were the better team. It was the one game they did complete, in my opinion, they outplayed Edmonton. You know, they outshot them fairly. They had the puck. They had had the the puck puck a lot. So how do you get, would they have, Bob, 39 shots on goal? No, they had more than that. 40-something. I I think they had 46 or 47 maybe with the empty netter. So I don't, I mean, that tells me two things. It tells me that they had the puck a lot because they're always shooting it. But I'm going to say to you, Bob, I don't. I watched a lot of that those shots, and I watched the LA Kings enter the zone in full control of a puck with what could have been an interesting, you know, barrage of orders. 46, 31. 46 shots on that, and they fire a puck from a lousy spot that Mike Smith catches, and it's a turnover. It's not. You call it a shot on goal. I call it a turnover. I don't see what you're doing so, on a goalie that can see a puck coming in 2022. We're not Guy Lafleur scoring on Gilles Gilbert here from the right-hand hash marks, right? That doesn't but, happen. That doesn't happen anymore. Mike Smith's standing there. He's catching everything. He's saving everything. Like, that's a large reason why Mike Smith's sitting here with a 942, because three-quarters of the shots he's getting from the Kings are wasted shots. For, a waste okay, of time. so they outshot Edmonton 46-37 to 37 Great. in game number three of the series, a game in which Edmonton won 82. Yeah. According to Natural Statric, the Oilers' even strength scoring chances for were 20. L.A. was 10. Yeah. Which, which uh, I know I saw Staples stuff after. His numbers were similar as well. The Oilers outchanced them basically in the higher grade legitimate scoring chances, 2-1 to one in that game. Okay. And, and yet the Kings outshot Edmonton 46-37. Now, 46-31 the other night, and I do think L.A. outchanced Edmonton, but the numbers don't necessarily... L.A. was way the better team in Game 4. They had them even at 60. Any stats 60, tell 60. me that Edmonton was a better team in Game 4 in, in any way, I'm... Very suspect on those. Now, guys. I asked you a question underneath today. I, you were a little surprised that I asked both you and Ryan Rashog the same question. Hmm. Do you guys, because Natural Statric is an analytics source that is available to the average fan, mm-hmm. anybody can get it as a resource. And I said, Mark, do you have uh, access to Sports Logic? Like, is it at your fingertips, or do you have to put in the request? To uh, no, I would I would phone, I would email our stats people with questions. I, I don't right. have it at my fingertips. Right, no. and and because Sport Logic does a, from my understanding, a better job of perhaps evaluating the defensive metrics. Mm-hmm. The natural stat trick tends to be a little bit more focused on offense. As yeah. a, and I, you get a lot more things like chances off the rush yeah. and things like that from Sports Logic, which is a system that you're a, a service that you have to pay for. It's a significant natural, amount. Yeah, it's not natural stat trick. We get all access for free. Right. So obviously they do things differently and they have something that but, they make a buck on. This has been a slight, again, 942 save percentage for Mike Smith through four games and the orders are 2-2 two and two in the series. Well, that's misleading though. See, this is a stat that's misleading. 
right? It's a misleading stat, 942. He's, I mean, he's obviously stopped 942 shots out of 1,000, however you want to do the math. I'm not saying that's wrong. But 942, you'd think he's standing on his head. He doesn't have to stand on his head to stop shots from that he can see from all over the rink. The Kings are bolstering his save percentage, right, by shooting easy pucks at him, right? He's not, he's playing great. Don't get me wrong. I'm not criticizing Mike Smith. But 942, tell, I'll tell you what, I'll bet you Jonathan Quick has made more five-bell saves in this series where you go, oh, my God, how didn't that go in? Yeah. Than Mike Smith has. Well, he, Smith's he, numbers are infinitely better. He had the quick had the sequence in uh, the second period where he wasn't playing with his glove. And he yeah. got a little lucky. Yamamoto, he got a piece of the shot off Yamamoto hey, and hit the he crossbar. He saved it. He saved he it. He saved it. Right. It went off his shoulder, off the crossbar. That is a save, man. And then he got the right pad down on Kane. And I, I, I don't take this as a Smith criticism. Quick has had to be better in terms of really lots of close-in chances. He's had to be better. So do you buy that the L.A. Kings have had the numbers, the, the, the analytics and the shot chart would suggest L.A. has been way better than Edmonton in first period in all four of the games? Do you buy that? Um, I don't know. I would. They were better in game four. I think we could They're see. better in game one. They're, they're better be- game one. They're better in game four. Okay. Uh, in game three, it was 0-0 in the first period. No, it was 2 nothing Edmonton after in game three. Game two was 0-0. Oh, sorry, game two. That's, that's why you have me here. It's no, all I can bring. The 6 nothing game was 0-0 after one. So I wouldn't say way better, but better, sure. I'd, to the eye, I would say that. I'd have to do your analytics, but I'll let someone else do that. You can text us at 780-496-0063. <laughs> What's interesting is Jay Woodcroft's teams in Bakersfield tended to get like 16 to 18 shots per game in the first period and come out going and humming pretty early. Okay. I'm not sure if we necessarily 100% seen that yet from Edmonton. Tonight would be an opportune time to do it. Edmonton's made a couple changes that might help them in that regard. We'll discuss that when we return on Oilers Now. Oilers Now Injury Report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. Derek Ryan is back in. He will center the Oilers' fourth line. He's played a lot of third line right wing. Uh, so the Oilers are basically completely healthy. L.A. Kings do not have Drew Doughty. Plays 25-54 per game, out with wrist surgery. Sean Walker's played all but, or he played six games at the start of this year, then he uh, blew out his knee. Victor Ardvidsson still out for Los Angeles. At least he was the last time I checked. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. We bring Mark Spector back in. Derek Ryan in. Uh, Edmonton lost the face-off battle the other night in Los Angeles. Kings had a lot of dry settle. And, I, and again, I think he's a little bit labored right now. But Leon went has gone 38 and 49 in faceoffs in this series, which is uh, 44 percent, and yep. he's been up around 55 percent most of the last couple of years. McDavid's at 52.5. Derek Ryan's at 66 percent in the faceoff circle. So what's that tell you? They need him, and he he's going back in the middle. So here's what the lines are going to look like: McDavid with Kane and Yamamoto, McLeod with Drysaddle and Hyman. Poliarvi goes third line right wing with Nugent Hopkins and Archibald. And then the Oilers' fourth line was their third line to start the season, which speaks a little about the added depth. It'll be uh, Derek Ryan centering Warren Fogle and Zach Cassian. What do you make of those lines, Spec? Well, two things. I mean, the, the obvious one is Poliarvi coming off the first line. He's he's just hasn't produced, and we're at the point in the season where we're not grooming anybody anymore. He needs to come down. They need to fill it with a player that can produce. Uh, Derek Ryan is being stashed on the fourth line as a fourth line center. They'll probably roll some lines first period, first period and a half, 
and, you know, they'll try to keep their lines together, Bob. But you know how it works in a playoff game, depending on the score, how tight the game is. Uh, Drysaddle needs a little help in face-offs. He's, something's going on here because he's a good face-off man that's, that's at 44%. I think you'll see Derek Ryan take some pivotal um, defensive zone starts with uh, the dry saddle line to help him out, and I guarantee you he will replace uh, Pugliarvi later in the game to take shifts and take face-offs next to Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. Nugent-Hopkins has never been a real strong face-off guy. The tandem of him and Ryan together, I think, have been really good. Nuge takes him on one side, Ryan takes him on the other. They've been good. Uh, I think when the shifts are important at the end of the game, when the face-offs are really key, I sense you'll see Ryan take some shifts for Pugliarvi. Yes, so Pugliarvi. Uh, just not getting it done, you know. Good young player, all those things. 24 now. Middle it, six forward at this stage. Whatever. He's a middle six forward. And you know what? We'll reassess. We're at the point in the season where you just had to win hockey games. This, we'll get back to developing players. and We'll get back to giving guys chances. All that stuff can happen later. Uh, Does maybe... Jesse need to realize he's six foot four, Or do people need, <laughs> to re- need to realize that Jesse's not that player? And where I'm going with this is in the playoffs, everybody hits. And everybody blocks shots. Yeah. And Pogliarvi is a big man. And, you know, when he goes, when he plays in straight lines, goes to the front of the net, backtracks, he can be a highly effective player. But the game gets elevated come playoff time. And you've also got to finish checks. And he is a guy. Like, what I'd like to, I'll be honest, Mark, what I'd like to see Pogliarvi do is what Carl Grenstrom did. Carl Grenstrom became a pain in the ass for the Oilers in that third period. And, uh... He drove the net, you know, well, and Darnell Nurse is not at 100% either. We know that. He drove the net, and that means he hung on to the puck from the blue line to the goal line. Is it easier to I do when seen, he's not with McDavid and Dreisaitl? I haven't seen, yes, Pogliarvi hang on to a puck from, from an entire zone in three months. Yeah. He's become a one-touch passer. He doesn't want the puck on a stick. And I don't know why it is. I just know that it is. And I totally agree. A, a man Jesse's size with his skating ability and his skills should be able to put that thing on the backhand drive, go hard to the net, and see what happens when you get there, right? I'm not saying it goes in every time. He doesn't have to be Eric but, Lindros, but he uh, just... you got to hang... But, but he needs to say to, myself, to himself, I've got the puck, and I'm going to hang on to the puck. The second he gets the puck now, his head's in a swivel looking to get rid of it, and that's... That's what's going on. For whatever reason, he has no confidence. He doesn't want the puck. Is it, see it, is it easier for him to gain confidence playing with Nugent Hopkins further down the lineup? But hopefully. You know, hopefully for his sake. Right? A puck's a puck. Right? If you don't want it on your stick on McDavid's line, do you want it on your stick on Nugent Hopkins' line? I don't know. Let's see. Yeah. You just, this is a guy that, like, Grunstrom's a great example. Could Yessi Pugliarvi take that puck at the blue line and take it hard to the net and go wide on a guy? You absolutely could. But I haven't seen him carry the puck for 40 feet in two months. So he's not doing that tonight because yeah. he hasn't done it for the last 20 nights. All right, I want to know what people think. You can text us on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Yamamoto up and McLeod up, basically, and Pugliarvi slides into the three-hole uh, or three-third-line uh, right wing. Derek Ryan, meanwhile... Uh, we'll play fourth-line center. He hasn't played there. He's been spotted there occasionally. We should state that. And uh, But he's played mostly right wing of late. Should be interesting, to say the least. You know, Mark. Do you think Woody's enabling his top two lines a little here? Like, what we've done before is you gave McDavid Kane. You said, okay, and take Pugliarvi and work with him. Uh, and then you said, dry saddle, you get Hyman, and, you know, Yamamoto wasn't going so good, but work with him. I think now what he's saying is Yamamoto's going a lot better. 
He stays in the top six. McLeod gets in the top six. Yep. We're giving our top two centers. You know what else McLeod can do? Better players. He can take faceoffs. Yeah, he's a, become a. He's had a hell of a year, and he's looking like a fifty-four percent in this yeah. series against a team that's a pretty good face-off team. Okay, so. so maybe he's going to help dry settle in the circle. How about that? There you go. Twelve fifty-eight in Edmonton. When we come back, gamesmanship, because the Kings, I think have exploited it a little at times in this series. I'd like to get your thoughts as well on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. We'll head off to a global news weather traffic update with the biggest Dale Murphy fan in the 630 Jed Studios, Eileen Bell. You're listening to Oilers Now. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.